Let's get to the fan focus. All right, Nick and Dustin going to lead us off on other quarterbacks interested in the Browns quarterback position. The idea that, that, that Joe Flacco, who hasn't played in the division since 2018, has some secret inside knowledge of the division just simply isn't true. Okay, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm just, again, this argument's pretty stupid, to be honest with you. We're arguing over two washed-up quarterbacks because the Browns are in such a position um, that they put themselves in when they started the season. They should not be in this situation. They should have a better backup. They should have had, they should have traded for Jacoby Brissett or tra- traded back for Josh Dobbs or, or never trade Josh Dobbs. Or sign Carson Wentz. And then we're not having the silly, we're not having the silly, he stinks too, dude. Come on. He is so much better than either of the quarterbacks we're talking about right now. I'd rather have Dobbs or Brissett over Carson Wentz. Um, Dobbs, I, I think that's because it's a hot hand. Brissett, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, like, everything... You that, saw him last year. He was fine. Fine. All you need is is a quarterback that, that can be fine. And Carson Wentz is not fine. He stinks. Carson Wentz does stink. When you're in the used DVD bin section, nothing is great. Uh, that's where we're at. DTR has to be good. Not only because I need DTR to be good. Uh, a couple different things. One, I love the idea that... He'd have a redemption story. Because I know what we saw against Baltimore was not DTR. He was thrown in an impossible situation. I know it can be better than that. I know it. He knows it. He will be better than that. I mean, three picks and a fumble. There's no There's no way he's not at least better than that. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Joe Flacco, all these other guys. I just, I'm not, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I, I, you know what? I'm kind of happy nobody's brought up last year the game where the the Browns actually lost to the Jets. It was a two minutes remaining. Remember that game? And they they just completely threw up on our shoes. That's all that happened. We blew the 14 point lead. That was Joe Flacco. That was that game. Joe Flacco stood back there like a like a statue. I no one's brought that one up until I just brought it up, and now I'm that guy. So I'm sorry to take you guys down that road, but he can play a little bit. It's just, it's not going to be good enough. I need DTR to get there on his own. I need him to do it quicker than what I would normally ask of rookies for sure. All right, next up, Lyman Ken. It's just a good moment, and it's a it's a touching moment. And if it doesn't bring you close to tears, I don't know what will. Grown men do cry, Mr. Lebowski. Two of them interviewed our buddy Jim Donovan, making his return to the radio booth this weekend. Was there part of you that wondered if you'd ever get a chance to make that march up back to the booth? Oh, absolutely. I have to tell you, yes, very much so. Um, and certainly I I really was a bit pessimistic that I'd be able to even do any more games this year. Yeah, there was a, there was a time, uh, and, you know, sometimes it still is in the back of your mind that, hey, listen, you know, you just have to deal with, you know, what's going on health-wise, and you have to stay on top of this thing, and you have to do what they tell you to do because they know best, and if it means that you can't go and do a football game or a number of football games, then it's a hard thing, you know, for me, emotionally and professionally, to accept that, but you do it because, I mean, the main thing is that you want to be healthy for your family and you want to be around, and yeah, but there was, I mean, really, when I walked out of the booth after the opening game against Cincinnati, I was heartbroken to have to say, it's time for me to step away, and I'll be back as soon as I can, but there was a feeling inside of me that said, I don't know when that's going to be and on the other side you try not 
not to think, you know, too negatively, but I wondered, you know, would I be able to come back and do it? Because I just didn't know how this whole thing was going to go and how it was going to play out and what I was going to be like on the other side of it. But I have to tell you guys, I feel great. I really do. And I'm very, very excited to be able to get back to my life, which is, you know, doing the Browns games, working on television and just being out there in the community. It'll be great to hear him on Sunday. I, I can't wait. I, it's so happy that he just he kicked cancer's butt, and I'm happy that he's back, and I'm happy he's doing well, and I'm happy he's going to be back in the community. It's just Browns football is better with Jim Donovan in it. There's no question about that. We'll have the whole interview for you guys. You can obviously go back right now if you want. You can listen to it for, with Ken and Anthony earlier this morning. Uh, we'll have it for you guys at 11.20 later on tonight. That's going to be our interview of the day for sure because that was a... That was a meaningful one. All right, next up, I've never heard Baskin so heated. Now, Baskin obviously has done some sideline reporting in the past. Baskin talked about the scandal involving Carissa Thompson, who was a sideline reporter, and said that she fabricated some things back in the day and since walked that back. But here's Baskin. I feel bad for the people that she works with and the other people that cover these teams that work their ass off every day to cover stories and do the best possible job they can to make sure fans have the best information, the most up-to-date information. All those people that work hard, I mean, she's in the same group with all of us. So you know what? And so everyone looks at us now. They're like, well, I wonder if they're making it up. But she felt it was okay to not only go out there once and tell people she was making up stories. She went back and doubled down on it and said, you know, I didn't get fired last time for it, so I'll tell the story again. I'm making up stories at halftime when I, because I, I, I'm worried about missing the report. There is no report if you didn't talk to the coach. That's the bottom line. Get out of mythical land. Oh, I didn't want to miss the report. You didn't have a report. Your job as a sideline reporter is to go out there Find stories throughout the game. Sell the producer that it's worthy of being on TV left and right. Talk about lazy. Talk about just ridiculous. You can't make stuff up. That was just so wrong when I heard her. She should have been fired before the game last night. She makes everyone around her look discreditable. Or I don't know what the word would be. What would the word be? Not credible. Lack credibility. Lack of credibility. She should not be working. She shouldn't have been on the game last night. She should be fired. <laughs> fired up Andy Baskin. That was outstanding. Just whether you agree with him or disagree with him, and I disagree with him, that is a great rant. Just an awesome rant by Baskin. Here's where I disagree, though. Fired? And again, Baskin has done the side on reporting thing. He knows that game. I'm not arguing that part of the game. I'm arguing with common sense here. Fired? She doesn't do sideline reporting anymore. She hasn't for years. On Amazon Prime, she is a host. She's a studio host. On the NFL stuff, on the weekends, she is a studio host. She has graduated from sideline reporter to something better than sideline reporter. That's why I think she was able to speak as freely as she does, is because she doesn't live in that world anymore. It was a part of her world. I thought she's really good at the studio stuff. Honestly, I don't really remember much of her as a sideline reporter. I remember her being one. Because she had a lot of scandals involved, too. I mean, go and Google some of her situations. She's had a lot of incidents pop up throughout the years. But this was a very online discussion. 
and I'm happy that the people at Amazon Prime treated it as such. They treated it as a story that should probably just stay online, and they didn't go rash, and they didn't fire her, and they didn't make any silly, stupid judgments to appease a bunch of people that aren't going to be angry or remember it 72 hours from now. That's the reality. You guys are not going to... If this was a mainly media story, I don't believe the common fan cared nearly as much as media members did, but ultimately... Shouldn't lose her job for that. It's not great. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying she shouldn't lose her job for that. I hate sometimes when people do lose their jobs for really stupid things. And there are definitely times where people should lose their jobs. I I understand when that is. And I think there's definitely appropriate times for when that is. I also think sometimes I like when executives sit back and say, what are we doing here? That cannot be the appropriate response because she doesn't even do sideline reporting anymore. So it's not like we have to go down and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joe and Troy are sending it down to Carissa Thompson. Carissa, what do you got tonight? And she has to pretend as if she's being honest to people. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. She, does, she, she hosts. She hosts now. doesn't matter. It wouldn't be too dissimilar as if Baskin, who used to be a sideline reporter, came out today and was like, I, and Baskin obviously is very credible and Baskin would never do such a thing. But if he came out and said something like, I did the same exact thing, nobody would care because you're not a silent reporter now and, and that part of your life is, it's gone. It, it doesn't interest you anymore. You're on a different stage. You're on a higher stage than what you used to be. All right, next up, Nick and Dustin on a Zach Bryan sighting in Cleveland. All right. Now, Charles has called in to uh, let us know about this Zach Bryan situation. Uh, apparently, his girlfriend's a performer. I think she's in Cleveland tonight. What kind of performer? I don't know. Ask, the, ask our caller. All right. Charles, welcome to the show, friend. Hey, what's going on, guys? Love the show. Thank uh, you. Thanks, man. Listen, you guys finishing on my work day. I'll keep it quick. His girlfriend does a podcast called Plain Brianna. They were at the House of Blues last night and then went to that Welcome to the Farm Bar over in the flats afterwards for the after party, so... He enjoyed okay. Cleveland for sure. What, what's called playing Brianna? Playing Brianna, yeah. It's a podcast what, that they do. what sort of podcast is that? That I don't know. I believe it's a, a female podcast, so I don't listen too much. It's kind of sounds like you sexist? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Let me start over. Are you sexist? <laughs> No, nope. sorry. I'm just uh, Charles, no, you're good. Charles. Friday, we, Friday we, fails. We apologize for the abuse, friend. Thank you for sorry, the information. I actually was thinking it sounds like an OnlyFans. Playing Brianna, doesn't that kind of sound like some weird little hook that she might have? That, an angle? I don't know. Can I be honest with you? I know Zach Bryan sings. And I know he's, they, people tell me he's a very emotional fella. I'm a very emotional fella. So I, I maybe I would get in, in with some of his songs. I've never heard a word that he's ever sung. I, I, know, I, I, I know, I know, I know, this is bad. He's wildly popular. I'm 34 years old. He's so popular for people that are like 10 years younger than me. I couldn't tell you a single song of his. I, I don't know. I don't know him from Adam. And when I looked him up, I thought to myself... This is the guy everyone raves about? Like, this is the guy people talk about? He looks like a goober. And he's in Cleveland right now, so there's a chance he's actually listening to me right now. Call him a goober. Eh, it happens. Them's the breaks. Not my style. Hey, fine. Not my not my circus, not my monkey. Do what you got to do. Congratulations on all of your success, as the morning show would say. I just, I, not for me. And, and the fact that they both cared 
that he was here was fascinating to me. No. No. Cannon Anthony on the culture for the Browns. I thought we, this entire season, have tried to talk about this organization, this culture turning the corner, that they aren't the old Browns. They win the games they're not supposed to win. They stay in these tight games. They beat teams that are better than them, like the 49ers with a third-string quarterback. Like, those are things that were supposed to be indicative of a culture that has changed. If we're saying if they just lose a close one to Pittsburgh and now the season's over, then has the culture really changed? I feel like it, it has changed, and I feel like they can. They can overcome it. Hell, they can overcome it and win this week. I think people hope it's changed. I think they hope. But if they go out there and they get beat at home with everything, with all the emotion that's there, you know we're going to get them calls. You're going to hate them, and I'm going to hate them. And now I'm, I have to pick up the pieces and get people's spirits going again, whether I believe so or not. I'll tell you that. And they got to go on the road to Denver, which is playing better. They got to go on the road to, to LA, which is not a good football team that I would pr- I would predict that you win. But now I got Dorian Thompson Robinson, and it's going to be based on on the performance that he has. I don't want to have to do that. Culture is going to be a big thing for this week, and that's why I think people are going to judge Kevin Stefanski so much. What do you do when there's obvious adversity right in front of your face? What do you do? I still think they can win this game. I really do believe it. And if they win, it'll be a big-time stamping point and testament to Stefanski. Oh, this game matters so much. All right, 216-474 to below 92. Does this game feel like a playoff game, though? People are saying it feels like a playoff game. Do you feel like this game feels like a playoff game? We'll get to that and more. Cavs wrap up. We'll get to that game. We'll get to the NBA. we got a lot to discuss tonight. A lot to get to tonight. Your phone calls at 216-474-0092. Your tweets at Jay Peterlin. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. I don't know his music at all. I just know he's incredibly popular. The young kids like him. That's all I can tell you about him. I think he looks like a goober. I don't think he looks like what I would think he start. When I was when I was the people that like Zach Bryan's age, you know, the guys that were popular, they didn't look like Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan looks like I looked when I was twenty, okay? Like he was, he's a goober. What are you talking about? Like he's you know, I, I started getting to the gym, lost a little pounds here, but he, he looks like he's you know, he looks like me right now. Where he's got some dad weight to himself. He's like, I don't know, is this guy cool? Is he not I, I don't know. I don't have to make it this guy. I think that's what it is with Zach Bryan. I can't figure out the vibes with him. He's he's so disarmingly average that I don't know what to do with him. You know, most like pop stars or country stars or anyone at that age, they're like, oh, yeah. Or like Zach Efron obviously looks like somebody that's like, yeah, okay. I get how Zach Efron became a movie star. That one kind of makes sense to me. Justin Timberlake, wildly talented and gifted, but I get how that happened. Zach Bryan is so shockingly average. That I just don't know what to do with any of it. But apparently he's he's got a, a voice of an angel, Dominic. Sing it like a bird. I don't know. I mean, his from the songs I know, and it's a, a very short amount. They're they're well written. The instruments are well. Does he, he write them himself? Well. I can only imagine. Little Taylor Swift over here, right? Writing them himself. But you know, you listen to Taylor Swift, right? For those that don't know, you are a Swifty. Never have denied that. Yeah, but like I was on board with Taylor Swift before it was cool. Now I can't even say it anymore because everyone is in everyone is a Swifty. Well, like so Zach Bryan's too young crowd, but you'll go to the concert where all the young crowd. Where all the, the little girls are screaming and, and waiting outside and there's thousands of people waiting outside the stadium. It's just 
It's off-putting, JP. Throw me off. It's just, why'd you have to phrase it like little girls are the only one that likes Taylor Swift? I was 17 years old when I first started listening to Taylor because sure. Taylor was 17. Sure. I said probably 16. I'll never forget where I was. I was driving down Lakeshore Drive. I heard Tim McGraw, her very first single on the radio, and I said, hey, she's probably good. That's really good. She's going to be really good. When And, yeah, did I – I'm hardly Magellan discovering new land, being like, see, so yeah, this Taylor Swift might work. I know how that sounds in hindsight. That's like looking at uh, – that's like looking at Peyton Manning first throw a football and being like, this guy might have it. But, yeah, obviously, sometimes talent is just so obvious. Any Joe Schmo can, can find it and spot it. That's who I was. But I've been there from day one, but now everyone's a Swifty. So now I'm like – I, I listen, but I, you know, what can I really do with it? Everyone's a Swifty. I was following Taylor Swift before some of these little girls, as you call them, were even born. That's what I would tell these kids. I sound so old right now. I so sound old. so old. So old. Anyway, congratulations on uh, what? So uh, so the, the, the girl that he's dating went to Baldwin Wallace, and they went to a bunch of BW bars. Uh, they went to um, the Polish Village, PV, as the kids call it. Yep. Love that. Okay. You would love the bar. Love it. I would love the bar. Oh, very hole-in-the-wall dive-ish. Nice. Yeah, really you're at cool. it. Probably would. Yeah. Have a good time. I, all right, so, I mean, listen, I like him. I, he seems like my type of guy, but he also seems like the type of guy that's like, how did you become this? He must have a he must have an incredible voice. I just haven't heard it. 216-474-0092. But that's not why you called. We're talking about the Browns. Question I have for you guys, 216-474-0092. Does this feel like a playoff game? Does this feel like... I thought the Ravens game was supposed to feel like a playoff game, and it did leading up to it. This one doesn't feel like a playoff game more than it just feels like a big game to me. Here's the difference. Beating the Ravens meant we were Super Bowl contenders, and for 48 hours we had those conversations. I legitimately had calls on this radio station, and if you've been listening all week long, you remember them. Tuesday, I took a call where a guy was calling out the Super Bowl contender for the Browns. He's like, it's going to be the Browns and the Lions. I'm like, battle of the barge in the Super Bowl? Battle of the barge in the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. We went from that after that Ravens game to now it's a different game. It's a different, it's a different set of parameters that we got to live by. Beating the Steelers will make us feel good in the way that eating a bunch of ice cream does. Last night, for instance, myself. I've been telling Dominic all, all night long, I've been doing so good eating five straight days in a row of what I consider to be good eating. Last night, though, last night, got away from me a little bit. Little friend I like to call Diana's Bananas, the chocolate dip bananas. Not like Arrested Development where it's like there's always money in the banana stand, but kind of like that. I love them. I'm obsessed with them. And I went to the grocery store yesterday, and I picked out a couple boxes because my wife likes them as well. And then last night... Did I have a couple? I had a couple, right? Made me feel good in the moment. But it doesn't help me long term. That's what this is going to be like. It'll feel good in the moment. Beating the Steelers will feel awesome. You'll be over the moon. But we got to have this figured out with DTR. we got to have this quarterback situation figured out. We have to have, if we want to have long-term success for this year, that's what we got to identify. This win will be fleeting more likely than not. Unless the game is a DTR breakout game where he shows that he's just awesome. And I'm, I'm open to that happening. 216-474-0092. Ross in Fairview up next on the fan. Hello, Ross. Yo, Ross. Let me have the time. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Your, uh, your, the audio was off there. What do you got, Ross? 
Oh, no worries. Um, just, I think it's a more of like, uh, and I hate to speak in superlatives or one-offs like most people do, but like a respect game. You know, the Steelers have owned us for multiple decades, I think. Everyone would agree. And this is one where it, it matters, obviously, who's under center, but this is a game they still are trotting out Kenny Pickett, and you still have a top three defensive unit. Yep. So this is one where if, you know, you should take care of business at home. I agree with that, Ross. I still think the Browns should win this game, and I think we should have the expectations, Ross, that they should have this, uh, should win this game. All right. Thank you, Ross. All right. I think he opened up the call being like, hear me out. I was trying to hear him out. Felt like that was the end of it. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two, and that's fine if that's the case. I do disagree with the point that the Steelers have dominated us, though. They haven't dominated us really in the Kevin Stefanski era. That that has been more split than domination. The Ravens had been dominating us. There's no denying that. When Lamar Jackson has started, Stefanski's what five and one against Lamar. It was not pretty. But the Steelers, we've split that. We've split that series. The past half decade, we've been we've been splitting that one. Uh, Frank and Kent up next. Hello, Frank. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Frank. How are you tonight? Well, I'm like I think uh, the majority of the fans. Look, uh, who do, who's the backup quarterback for Joe Burrow? Not at his house. Jake Browning is his name. We saw him last night in that uh, Thursday night game. He looked awful for the entire stretch of the game until the very final drive, and then he pieced a little bit together, but he looked awful all game. And for a guy that bet the over and I ended up cashing it, I was uh, I was stressing out because I, I knew Baltimore would score, but Cincinnati looked bad offensively. Uh, so the Bengals have a lousy backup quarterback too, huh? Yeah, they'll probably be in the market to shop around. They 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 wouldn't have been. Now Jake Browning's a rookie, the same way DTR is. They wouldn't have been had he looked anything decent last night, though. He just he was a deer in the headlights. Well, uh, it looks like uh, Cincinnati's out of the picture, really, with the Burrow gone, and and so. But what you have to worry about now is the opponent on Sunday is the Steelers. And uh, let's face it, uh, the Browns' history, going back years, not just Stefanski, he got lucky in a couple of games, they have dominated the Browns because the ownership of the Steelers always had a good backup people whether it was Bradshaw or anybody else, to go in the game. Yeah. Roethlisberger, the Browns could have had Roethlisberger's. And what a, what a that uh, dumbbell, uh, Modell was in on it, but butting in, he didn't want Roethlisberger. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? I mean, Frank, I appreciate the call as always, friend. We can't, uh, I don't want to relitigate the Ben Roethlisberger ears or Ben Roethlisberger's ears. Don't want to do that either. Don't want to do that either. Uh, here's what's interesting about the playoff picture. I said last week that it was a seven-race field with eight teams involved. Because at the time, it was a little shaky. Because the Bills were still on the outside looking in, but the Bengals were in. Now things have changed where the Texans find themselves in the seven seed. I, I, if the playoffs started right now, okay, Kansas City's your one seed. 
Houston takes on Baltimore as the seven versus two. We take on Jacksonville as the six versus three. Steelers would take on the Dolphins as the five versus four. I actually think that's a pretty good matchup for us, all things considered. And I like how we would play against Jacksonville. I really do. But you needed then in this scenario to find room for two teams that you would have to assume would find their way in. And that was the Bengals and that was the Bills. Bengals have found their postseason chances poof up in smoke. They have no chance now. They are done. Cooked. Over. Blouses. Whatever you want to say is what the Bengals currently are. The Bills, although they seem really, really down right now, and I have called for their grave to be dug up last year, entering into this year, I think they'll still find a way to climb in. I think Pittsburgh's very fraudulent, and so I would imagine Pittsburgh sees their way out. Buffalo finds their way in. Houston maintains the seventh seed as well. Or maybe even climbs up to climbs up to the sixth seed. The point is, is that this musical chairs, this dancing that we have, has really come down to eight legitimate teams. Depending what you think of the Steelers, if you call them legitimate or not, but they're six and three right now. So eight legitimate teams for seven spots instead of nine legitimate teams for seven spots. And I feel like that's a good spot for the Browns because if the Steelers are fraudulent. And they are bad, and it does catch up to them that it's seven teams for seven spots. So a win this weekend could set off that in motion. The idea that the Steelers start to showcase who they actually are, start to lose a bunch of games, start to end up in bad situations, and then before you know it, it's just the Texans are sitting there, the Bills are sitting there, Ravens, Jacksonville, Miami, us, and Kansas City, and every other team that would be knocking on the playoff door has found their way out. Jets tumble out of the way. Indy tumbles out of the way. Rams, Raiders, all of them tumble out of the way. Denver as well. And then you just kind of clear skies and we're good to go. Obviously, it's the NFL, so anything can happen. I don't know. Maybe Denver gets hot and they go on like a seven-game win streak and you look up and they're like, how do they have 11 wins? That's always on the table. But as of right now, it looks legitimately like there's eight teams for seven spots. And if you believe the Steelers are fraudulent, then that's seven teams for seven spots. That's a good spot for the Browns to be in. George up next on the fan. Hello, George. Hello, Jonathan. How are you doing? Good. How are you tonight? Okay. Um, uh, when Thompson, uh, his first debut, it was about as bad as I've ever seen as far as it looked like schoolyard football to me. And I understand the situation sort of dictated that, but still, he looked really bad. And, and uh, Andrew Barry spoke of an incredible opportunity. When we got uh, uh, Watson, that was an incredible opportunity uh, for perhaps a Super Bowl. Um, having Dorian Thompson is incredibly inopportune. Uh, he or they drained our strategic reserves, and everybody knows in Brissett and Dobbs, and put the hopes and the dreams of Clevelanders, of the fans who suffered for such a long time in the hands of this guy. And what it's incredibly stupid that he did that. I mean, it's kind of like I thought of a particular scenario where mm-hmm. Egypt pursued Israel to the Red Sea and the waters parted. And um, uh, that was an incredible opportunity, okay, to scoot across there, escape the enemy. What is uh, Dorian Thompson, the football Moses? Or I was going to go know. for Moses there. I'm like, are you going for Moses? But anyway. <laughs> Thank you, George. All right. So anyway, you got my general thought. I got you, man. Thanks I, for I, the time. Man. Thank you, George. Thank you.
Moses wasn't on the bingo sheet tonight. Moses Malone had a better chance of popping up on the bingo sheet than Moses part of the Red Sea. But, hey, this is what happens here in overtime with John at the Beatle, and I can't control that. All right, 216-474-0092. Is it a playoff game this Sunday? Does it feel like a playoff game this Sunday for the Browns? If they win, they'll have a big chance to go to the playoffs. If they lose, it gets decreased to about 50% in total. We'll continue on with this. Continue with your phone calls as well. It's overtime with John at the Beatle here with you. Ah, the fan. Does this feel like a playoff game? I think beating the Steelers is going to make us feel good in the way that eating a bunch of ice cream makes us feel good. I don't know whether or not it'll just be fleeting, though. I know beating the Ravens was awesome. There's no taking that away from me. For 48 hours, we talked about the Browns as legitimate Super Bowl contenders, and nobody was laughing when we said it. We won't have that if we beat the Steelers. That's why I wonder if it's a little fleeting. Unless DTR comes out there, and looks like God's gift to football. And that that possibility is still out there. It's not been written in the stars that he's going to come out there and look like doo-doo. I would bet he looks closer to God's gift to football than he does like doo-doo, which was what happened in the first game that he played this year against the Ravens. But think about all the circumstances he was up against in that situation. Number one defense for Baltimore, two hours notice that he was playing. And the two hours notice thing, maybe i got to retire that one. It just doesn't seem right anymore. Mainly because he should have known by Friday he had a chance to go in. But at least this week, he's got an opportunity, two hours of notice or not, he's got an opportunity to practice as the one all week long. He's got a chance to go in there thinking and knowing that he's going to be the guy on Sunday. Oh, this Joe Flacco stuff. I almost wonder if this came at the worst time imaginable. I wonder if maybe, I know they got to do their due diligence, but... Hell, maybe they maybe they know they know him better than I do. Maybe they know that he gets pushed by this sort of stuff, having a little. Because uh, I, I don't think when he got the first opportunity against Baltimore, I genuinely don't think that he thought it was a one and done opportunity. I think he thought he was going to have more than one shot before PJ Walker was going to take over for him. This time he knows he's got this weekend, and if it doesn't go well, Joe Flacco, somebody will be signed by Monday, and they'll be practicing for the Broncos game. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. Paul up next on the fan. Hello, Paul. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Paul? Good, good, good. So I'm gonna say this. I feel like it's just a big game. Um I have more faith in our quarterbacks than I do their quarterbacks. Um the Steelers has have just been getting by all season long. Literally just getting by and their luck is running thin. As we saw our last game, they barely beat Packers. On the other hand, we've beaten two of arguably the best teams in the league in the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think we win this 17-9. It's just my prediction, but I have much more faith in what we can do on defense and offense. I'm not looking back at DCR's previous game. We're just going to look forward. I know what happened then. I'm hoping that he prepared right. I hope it's just not too much over-preparation and he makes mistakes, but I have confidence in him and I have confidence in our defense. Yeah, that's got to be the key. And thank you, Paul. Appreciate you, man. That's got to be the key there, right? It's going to be a defense and run game. That's what we're going to have to focus in on. But you're still going to need the quarterback to make passes. Even when Deshaun Watson 
got to hand the ball off 11 straight times in last week's game. He still went 14 for 14 in the second half. He can't just be completely one-sided. He's still going to have to do something. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Mike up next on the fan. Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you? What's up, Mike? Uh, quick question, um, and then I'm going to say something, then I'll hang up and listen. Sure. What do you think about RG three saying he wants to be signed by the Browns? Number one, hate it. And R- then uh, hate it. RG three. RG three. So the the first year that I worked here, Mike was was RG three's first year with the Browns, first and only year with the Browns. And I'll never forget they did a they did a poll. They, like, asked everyone that worked at the station, like, how many games will RG3 start? And I was the only idiot to put 16 down. I knew the man was made out of glass, but I put 16 down anyway. And I looked at it, and I looked at everybody else, and nobody had 16. And then, as you remember, RG3 was injured in the very first game. And it yeah, was just, sure was. I was like, what are we doing here? No, I no, I hate that idea. He's a glass and, man. Uh, hate it. And, and also, uh, I, I, can, I, I understand what you're saying about the fraudulent Steelers thing. But um, you're, the Browns' defense is better now than they were when they played the Steelers the first game. But also, it seems to be the Steelers are finding something on offense with that running game. Some way, somehow, they're finding ways to win. But the reason I don't think they're fraudulent only is because the quarterbacks they're playing coming up are DTR, then you got uh, Browning, then you got Kyler Murray, then you got Bailey Jones or Mac Zappi, whatever big. Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, one of the two guys who were going to play for that team. Yeah. Then you got Gardner Minshew, and then you got Browning again. So it's like they're not playing any sort of quarterback that they can't contain or scare with their defense. So I think the Steelers are kind of like a trap team a little bit. I uh, just want to see what your thoughts are on that. All right. all. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. Yeah, I, I just I don't buy into the Steelers. And and at the end of the year, are they going to? Here's what I I can all but guarantee happens with the Steelers. Okay. Because it's the same thing they do every single year. They are wash, rinse, repeat. They're going to end up being either a game over 500, because we have 17 now. So they're either going to be 9 and 8, or they're going to end up being 8 and 9. They're going to be somewhere close to 500. They may or may not make the postseason. If they make the postseason, they're going to be in the first game of the postseason, and they're going to lose. That's going to be it. They're not serious. They are, as they say in succession, you are very unserious people. You're a very unserious team right now, the, the Steelers are. And, yeah, I, I looked at that. Pony put out the list of quarterbacks that they had. So I was looking at that a little bit earlier today. Quarterback stretch they have is not the toughest thing that anybody has ever seen. You want to play the same game with our quarterbacks? It looks a little bit different because we have C.J. Stroud in there. You have Russell Wilson in there. You have Trevor Lawrence in there. You have Justin Fields in there. You potentially have Aaron Rodgers in there. Ours is much different, no doubt about it. But I'm not scared of the Steelers. I'm not. And again, they might end up even losing this weekend because 17 to 10 or, uh, you know, 13 to 10 or whatever random thing might end up happening. But uh, if we were at, if Deshaun Watson was starting this game, coming off that Ravens win, this is what makes this so gut punching to me. I guarantee we would win this football game. I said coming off the Ravens game, if we beat Baltimore, I said before the Ravens game, if we beat Baltimore, it was a BOGO. It was a buy one, get one free. If we beat Baltimore, we were guaranteed to beat Pittsburgh. Now it's up in the air because we don't have Deshaun. Hate it. That's the reality. We are a much better football team with Deshaun Watson than they are. Kenny Pickett versus DTR, maybe now they have a fair fight at quarterback. 216474 to below 92. Ross, up next on the fan. Hello, Ross. Thanks again for the time, Jonathan. Thank you, Ross. What's up? Uh, you just mentioned a different team with Deshaun. The line is currently one. 
Uh, Browns minus one. What do you think it is if Deshaun is playing? I mean, it was hanging around, what, four, four and a half? I, I saw something earlier in the year, Ross. This is when, this is when, before DTR got out there and before PJ Walker got out there, Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback when it comes to what Vegas perceived the drop off was from him to the backups and, and the money and what the line would be. At the time, they had given it four and a half points for Deshaun Watson, which was, again, top five in the NFL. But that's because they hadn't seen DTR and they hadn't seen really P.J. Walker much. They just thought that drop-off was so huge. I would think it should be somewhere in there, but Vegas for this week is telling you it's closer to about three and a half points. Yeah, roughly four, though. And, yeah, clearly different squad when Deshaun is out there. Yeah, I mean, but it just, it just is. Know, it, of, of course, but... It, you know, in the end, they're trotting out Kenny Pickett, and you know, they're the the stats have been expounded upon. You know, at nauseum. You know, the six and three, first time ever, outgained all nine games. Only team ever in the last eighty years to be six and three, having been outgained every every game. So, and what's you know, what's funny about that, Ross, is that. You know, like Daryl on Tuesday came on and was like, "Hey, they're the worst six and three team I've ever seen." And I was like, "No, you." Last year we had two six and three teams that finished with seven wins total. The Titans and the Jets both just crashed and burned after getting to six and three. Right. No, yeah, I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So you know, in the end, and uh, I'm a Stefanski defender. I think he's, mm. you know, people are really hard on the guy, but. A lot of adversity he's he's dealt with over the past few years, and if I think the general public thinks Baker Mayfield is probably average at best, is probably you know maybe slightly above average is his ceiling, and you can't have that at quarterback and win eleven games and win a playoff game and have a bad coach. I don't think both those things mesh. You got it. So yeah, I, you know Stefanski's at least an average to above average coach. But, and, you know, you got to call people out when they need to be called out. When DTR is first game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they had a single designed run for him. And I think five minimum this week design runs for him. That, I mean, it's part of his, part of his strength. It should look night and day. And thank you, Ross. I appreciate you. It should look night and day based off the idea that last week, Kevin Stefanski went to the run 11 straight times. I've never seen him do that before. 11 straight times. I've never seen him do that. You saw the graphic when it came on up, and, they, and we were in the uh, goal line situation. It was like, wait, what? We, we haven't passed yet in this entire drive? What, what is going on? Where is Stefanski, and, and who stole his body? All right, 216474 to below By the way, the Cavs did win 108 to 100. So that means they did not cover for those that bet uh, on the wrong side for the Cavs. If uh, if uh, J.B. Bickerstaff was a college basketball head coach right now, he'd be hearing from some boosters you're supposed to cover against Detroit, but that's fine. It's neither here nor there. Uh, a couple of you guys are hanging. I want to stay with this. Obviously, I'll get to a little bit more and expand a little bit on uh, to the Cavs win as well. But right now, we're talking about does this feel like a playoff game? If you're hanging, hang tight. I'll get you on the other side. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two is how you find me there. I just i I want more time with this topic. I hate that it jammed ourselves up against the Cavs and the Cavs ending, but I'm not done with this one with you guys right now. And to be honest about it. Although we try to talk about a lot of Cavs games, there was no Donovan Mitchell tonight. Darius Garland looked good. No denying that. Darius had a nice night. But no Donovan Mitchell, and it just kind of felt like one of those games that you should win. They did win, 
And so you're not going to hear me complain about anything. I'm also not ready to give out game balls and throw parades because you beat the Detroit Pistons, okay? 216474 to below 92. If you're hanging hang tight, we'll get you on the other side. Does this feel like a playoff game on Sunday? It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle and here with you on the fan. 